Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Empowerment with Elizabeth. Today, I'm here with my sweet friend, Gabby, and she is going to talk to us about her CSI and dyslexia awareness. So Gabby, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a senior musical theater and directing major here at Abilene Christian University, and I have dyslexia. So that is why I am such a dyslexia advocate. A little bit about myself, I have competed in the Miss America organization for a bit of time now, I have competed in the Texas organization for the past two years. And in addition to that, I am also a member of the International Dyslexia Association Board and have started my own nonprofit called Why Dyslexia Matters. I love it. I love it. So talk to us a little bit about your experience before you were diagnosed. You know, what did that look like? And what were the signs and symptoms that kind of led you to say, maybe there's something more here? So I was diagnosed in the fifth grade, which is early but late all in one. Um, A big like red flag for me with dyslexia was that I was scoring in the 20th and 30th percentile with standardized testing. Um, When I was younger, I really would struggle. I remember one specific instance when we were going around and reading a snippet from the book and I counted ahead so I could prepare the section and it wasn't what it was. And I got there and I just, I sat there and I couldn't formulate any words and in that moment, I realized that I had a different style of learning and that I was different, but I didn't exactly know why. But after I got that diagnosis of dyslexia, I started to educate myself on what dyslexia is and what resources that I needed. And I really started to skyrocket both academically and personally. I love that. I love that. And talk about, you know, common misconceptions with dyslexia, because I feel like there's a lot of them. Um, and I feel like a lot of people think that they understand what it is, but I don't think that most people do. So kind of talk through those misconceptions, myths, things that you hear that are just simply not true. I would say the biggest misconception is that people that have dyslexia have a lower level of intelligence. And that 100% is not true. You look at some of our greatest innovators and creators, such as Albert Einstein, Bill Gates, Alexander Graham Bell, all these people had dyslexia and learned different ways to compensate for it, learned what worked for them, and they changed the world that we know it today. So I would say that's probably the biggest misconception. Oftentimes, people think that once your child has finished a reading recovery program, which I went through um, through sixth grade, through my sophomore year of high school, actually, that your child no longer needs accommodations. And that is not something that is true. Dyslexia is not something that is curable. And it's a lifelong struggle that a child that is diagnosed or an adult that is diagnosed with dyslexia is going to have to deal with. And I would say the third thing is that Dyslexia is not a one-size-fits-all learning disability. Mm-hmm. So there are many different types of dyslexia, and not every dyslexic individual sees things the same. So what you might see Bella Thorne talking about on Disney Channel is not the same thing that I've experienced being dyslexic, but that doesn't make either experience less valid or make that person less intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, you talked about how it's it's not something that's curable, which I guess I've never, like, viewed it like that, but it is, I mean, that's true. Um, and so you obviously still struggle with that today. So talk to us about, you know, the most difficult part of, you know, going to school, learning your academic career while having dyslexia. For me, being in theater, personally, it's dealing with cold reads and whenever a new sheet of music is put in front of me, because oftentimes in audition situations, they don't have the availability to give you extra time whenever they're seeing hundreds of people to read for the same role. And so what I've learned in those type of situations is just to advocate for myself, say, hey, I am so excited to be here. I just wanted to let you know that I have dyslexia 
And I might stumble over the words a little bit. I might have some issues with it. But after I have some time with this material, I promise you I'm your girl. And then I always tell them to go look at my website too, because, you know, it's a more accurate representation of my work because sometimes it takes me longer to process. And same thing within um, the academic setting of classes as well. I have accommodations in place, such as extended time on testing, the ability to record lectures and typed notes. And so all of those help me to be able to put my best foot forward whenever I'm in a testing situation or an audition situation because I've set myself up for success. And that's something else I'll say is make sure that your child gets the accommodations that they need. I know it can sometimes be viewed as a shameful thing, but in reality, you're putting your child on the same playing field and the same level as everyone else by giving them those accommodations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I love what you said about advocating for yourself, because I feel like that's something that you know, like I could, like, I don't have dyslexia, but I still need to know how to advocate for myself. And, you know, so does everybody to some degree. So I love that you bring that up because it is so relevant. And, you know, it's important to know how to do that, whether it's, you know, in an audition or when you're negotiating a salary or literally any point in your life, you're going to have to use that at some point. So I love that that's part of, you know, what your advocacy is focused on. Um, But talk to us about, you know, the most shocking thing that, you know, you've learned about dyslexia or that through your research you've done, through your CSI that you've learned um, that you didn't know before? So there was a study done in a Dallas prison and three-fourths of the inmates struggled from illiteracy and over half of them were believed to be dyslexic. And so dyslexia is something that really changes lives. You can prevent a life of crime by helping a child get that diagnosis at a young age or even at this age that I'm at now or later in life. It's about advocacy, inclusion, and making sure that you spread the warning signs because people don't know that they have dyslexia, especially within a workplace. I mean, a perfect example of dyslexia in adults is whenever it takes you longer to get a task done, whenever you really hate writing things by hand, whenever you feel like you can't necessarily communicate with your coworkers, even though you know that you're intelligent. And so just being educated on everything at all ages um, is something that's important, but also that statistic shocked me because over 220 million children in Texas public schools diagnosed and undiagnosed have dyslexia. And so spreading the message is so important and not only creating a better future for them, but changing those lives. And I love that you bring up schools too, because something that I recently found out about Mississippi specifically is that in our public school system, a lot of times there's not a dyslexia I guess, like advocate or like specialist, which is so important, you know, because like you said, not every person with dyslexia um, is the same, let alone learning disabilities as a whole. Like that is so massive. And it's not something that, um, you know, Mississippi prioritizes. And that's something that has been kind of alarming to me. My team from last year, Brecken, um, she, her CSI was dyslexia too. And so ever since, you know, she's been my teen, I've been like more, I guess, um, aware of dyslexia related issues. And I've just kind of started paying more attention to that. And that was something that I was like, um, should we do something about this? Like, this feels like an issue. (laughs) Um, yeah, that was, that was wild to me. Like, I was like, what do you mean that they don't have people that are like actively helping them whenever that's like something that they're going to need, you know? So that, that made me upset. But, um, Talking to people who, you know, maybe this is their first time, like hearing somebody, you know, who has dyslexia, you know, talk about their experience or maybe their first time hearing about like what dyslexia actually is. You know, they've heard the word before, but they've never really heard it explained. 
when you're thinking about those people, what are things that they can do that, you know, will help the dyslexic community? So what are ways that they can help out with dyslexia advocacy in their communities? I think a big part of it comes from understanding dyslexia. I don't think you'll fully be able to understand what a dyslexic person sees, but attending a dyslexia simulation is a wonderful way to understand what your dyslexic child or dyslexic parent is seeing so that you understand things more through their eyes. Just education and awareness, I would say, is the biggest one. And not only within adults, also within children as well, because you need to understand your peers whenever it's taking them longer to do something. And that's something that I've really been able to capitalize on. I have a school program called The Adventures of Taco Cat and Alligator Friends. And in this program, I teach children what dyslexia is and the basic phonetic alphabet sound. So it's geared towards teaching dyslexic children specifically, but also regular learners as well. And what I capitalize on within that is that we all have our differences. We all have things that make us unique. And those are our superpowers. Mm -hmm. And so I always say dyslexia is my superpower and what's yours. Mm -hmm. So just making sure to bridge that gap, I think is the biggest thing between dyslexic learners and regular learners. And if you can give one piece of advice, you know, for our final question, um, if you could give one piece of advice to either a parent who just had a child that was di- diagnosed with dyslexia or, you know, somebody who was just recently diagnosed with dyslexia themselves, what piece of advice would you give them? Be patient. It is a journey. It's going to be a struggle, especially within a parent's aspects of it, because they're sitting there watching their child struggle. They want to do anything that they can to help. And I know that my mom and I have had so many conversations about how I have been just completely down, felt like I was defeated. And I always end up finding my way through it, through perseverance, but making sure that you stay true to yourself and that you don't give up because you have the support system that you need and there are resources available. It's just about finding those resources and utilizing them to ensure your own success. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Gabby, for coming on and chatting with me about, you know, something that you're so passionate about. It's it's so clear that, um, you know, you're passionate and that you, you know, just been doing so much great work. So keep it up. Thank you. And I will see the rest of you guys on our next episode. Bye, y'all. Bye.